Some rounds, birdies can be hard to come by. Fortunately for us all, some don't require that solid iron game to be found. Welcome to Bird Watchers, an expression of our eternal devotion to all things bird. Trade the rangefinder for a pair of binocs and keep an eye out for this week's featured bird. sounds bad whatever that bird is it's drunk yeah that uh i'm i'm embarrassed by that call to be to be frank with you uh, i don't i don't know that our vocal cords are capable of mimicking something that's very high pitched three inches long i at least had the wing flap down you can't see it because this is a podcast but i'm flapping my wings very fast right now 50 to 60 beats per second is that it that's what the ruby throated get at ruby throated are actually one of the bigger hummingbird species Measuring in at three and a half inches. <laughs> that's, that's big. <laughs> One of the larger. We'll talk, we'll get into the this week's featured bird, the ruby-throated hummingbird. Yeah. Eastern United States only breeding species of hummingbird. Per request from the man himself, Luke Davis. Shout out, Luke. Yeah, so we got you. Joey, I understand that you've got some news for us. My 100 holes of golf? That's kind of cool. I will always ask if you've played any golf lately, and now you can say, <laughs> I've played plenty of golf lately. Yeah, I played uh, 100 holes of golf. This is, I guess, 10 days ago now? 11 days ago? It was la- two Mondays ago. I am still hurting, no lie, from it. We teed off just before 7 a.m. at Green Hill Club. This was to, to raise money and awareness for Youth on Course, so a national organization raising money for accessibility for golf for, for kids for the youth in america and really good organization and yeah we teed off just before 7 a.m at green hill club and finished just after 7 p.m so it was about 12 and a half hours of of golf non-stop we walked too didn't have any carts so i was strapping a bag and taking close to 450 swings i would say a true a true hundred hole hike a hundred hole hike yeah and it uh it got the best of me. I was, I couldn't. I was in crutches for a few days, and then right when I was about to uh, recover, I moved into my house and pretty much got set back a few days. So I'm, I was back on crutches, and then I'm, I'm limping around now. But yeah. surprising. I've always imagined you being the most fit of the group, and yet, well, I, w- I was because I was the one running the most. I think that's why I'm paying for this pain right now. I was the one running the most. Okay, that's a that's an interesting take. So. But. Yeah, the running helped me during it, but now I'm looking back and really, really wish I hadn't. Most important thing is you didn't lose. I did not lose. Yeah, we had a bet on it, and uh, Matt came out loser. So Luke and I have to figure out where he's caddying for us because he's got to double strap it. Although I feel like there should be a caveat considering that you also got shut out, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is a, this is a bird watcher's podcast, and not a single bird was found by, by your boy, Joey. That's, that is very sad. That is extremely sad and embarrassing, that 100, 100 holes. holes. No birds. I'm sure you heard lots of birds, especially first thing in the morning out there. Yeah, we did hear some birds that morning. It was very, you know, we were the only ones on the golf course. I think the first person I saw on the golf course was not even until like 10 a.m. maybe. I think I could be completely wrong on that. I don't know. But it felt like a while before someone showed up. So it was just us three and the birds. And it was <laughs> just super serene and calm and... Then, you know, we finished 
18, finished 36, finished 54, and that's when it really kind of started wearing. I can imagine the first half of the day went by a lot more quickly than the last half of the day. It definitely did. Yeah, we were averaging 52 minutes per nine for our first like 50 holes. And then, you know, it started setting in. (laughs) I kind of went in like little mountain, like it would really hurt. And then it wasn't so bad. And I was like running and then it would really hurt again. And yeah, all said and done, we played a hundred holes of golf and I didn't get a single birdie, but I didn't lose. How uh, crazy is that? You know, that's, uh, that was kind of the goal. The goal was to not lose quantity over quality that day. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Well, dude, yeah, that's incredible. One of those things that I think, uh, all the golfer in us kind of uh, it's like a day you kind of dream about. I don't know that we all dream about walking 100 holes, but <laughs> to get to spend a full 12 hours playing a golf course for the entire day, especially on a Monday, mm-hmm. I, th- I think doesn't get a whole lot better. Yeah, it was uh, quite an experience. Would you ever play 100 holes in a, in a day? 100%. Walking, would you? If I could finish, I think I would get as many in as I could feasibly do. I think I'm definitely in the worst shape of the group. <laughs> uh, I would probably... I think I could do it with like a five or six club bag. Yeah. I would definitely I need had, to lighten my bag a little bit. What was it, like 30 miles? Uh, yeah, it was 61,000 steps right around there. <laughs> and yeah, about 30 miles just over. That's about how much we did like in three days at home on the range, like to- combined. I think yeah. I did like 30 miles. Yeah. And that's in three days. I can't let alone do yeah. it in 12 hours. It awesome, dude. That's so cool. Uh, again, for youth on course, for a great cause. Mm hmm. Yeah, for sure. Go listen to that podcast. We have a podcast about that experience. If you want to hear more about it, Matt and Luke and I sat down and we were iced up and ready to um, talk about our experience. So go check that out. We just released it. So did you play any golf recently? What, what kind of golf have you gotten um, into? I've been playing a little bit. Lonnie Pool always. We got out yesterday with a friend of mine, a couple birds. Uh, I haven't been playing as much as I would like, but you know, thus is the reality, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, the weather is finally like prime time though. This is my favorite time of year to walk the golf course, and I hope we get to get out and enjoy some of this later this week. The weather's been glorious here in Central North Carolina. I don't, I can't say, man, for the first time, I don't know that I've had any very memorable golf stories to recount. That is shocking for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't worry, there'll be more. Yeah, there will be plenty. There'll so always be. We may Joey, as well jump into our bird. Let's please. This week's featured bird for those who. We're able to pick it out in Joey's voice. The uh, the ruby-throated hummingbird. Yeah. As I mentioned, it is the eastern United States' only species of breeding hummingbird, uh, which is fascinating when you consider that all species of hummingbirds live in the Americas, that is, North and South America, and there are over 350 known species, with many more likely still to be discovered. Uh, many of those species are in South America, in the rainforests, uh, in Central America, that's where you find the greatest amount of diversity everywhere from 10,000 feet elevation in the Andes all the way down to uh, zero feet elevation in New Orleans. They can be found everywhere, but for our purposes, we're highlighting, I think for most people, probably the most recognizable species, uh, which is the ruby-throated. Distinguished as such by the green coloration on top, uh, males are, are bright green, metallic kind of coloration with the distinctive bright, bright red ruby colored ruby, yeah. throat females are more bland they're actually there is uh you can tell the difference the coloration is different between male and females females are they have a more dull green almost grayish green coloration with a white belly ruby throated are as i said between an inch and a half and three and a half inches and down we all know how tiny these things are 
We all know how fast they can beat their wings. Uh, Ruby-throated, as I said, they're one of the larger species. Some species of hummingbirds can beat their wings upwards of 100 beats per second. Ruby-throated's average at around 50 to 60 beats per second, and their heart rates are also through the roof. They've as fast as their wings are beating, I their bet. hearts are beating twice as fast. Something about ruby-throateds that I find interesting, and I think it's probably different than every other species we've covered thus far, is that they, they're they extremely solitary, and they don't mate for life like many of the birds we've covered. Ruby-throateds actually only get together for courtship for a few days to a week max out of the year, in which case afterwards they are they become solitary again. They're extremely territorial, especially over food. You'll seldom see two of them in the same flower bed or in the same backyard even if they're not fighting. Uh, That's actually a pretty common sight, though. I guess you will see lots of fighting. You'll see lots of territorialism between different species, um, or I'm sorry, between different individuals. But it's it's you won't see male and female together very often. It's typically a, a breed, and then a female builds a nest and lays typically one clutch per year, sometimes two. Babies can start flying around 20 days old. The mother feeds them, takes care of them, raises them all on her own. Is 20 days, is that average for babies? or For baby hummingbirds, yeah. It's for around, just uh, any bird, really? Uh, no. Uh, it varies. Amongst many of the songbird species, I would say it's more close to a month. It's closer to a month. Uh, but that there's a lot of fluctuation with that, um, Like such as baby ducks, or we cover Canada geese. Canada geese don't start flying until they're several months old, but they can become more independent after 30 days or so where they can dive they can feed themselves they just can't fly until they're several months so mm-hmm. kennedy's also live a lot longer ruby-throated i believe the oldest known individual was around nine years old and that's the oldest known ever so they're not particularly long-living birds but one of the things that this is this was new to me and i, I had no idea that all hummingbirds, particularly ruby-throateds, are migratory. And not only are they migratory, they migrate a long ways. You can find them everywhere from Vermont to Florida, east of the Rockies, primarily east of the Mississippi, but there are, uh, there are still lots of these between the Mississippi and Colorado. But they can mi- they'll migrate all the way to Central America and to Northern South America, from so upwards of 5,000 miles. And they migrate across the Gulf Coast. Across the Gulf of Mexico, I should say. Jeez. Which is, when you think about this, and they, they do it in mass, but not really. It's not like you see a cloud of hummingbirds coming across. It's smaller groups of hummingbirds that yeah. kind of make the journey together. Nobody really knows how or why, how they pick each other, or how they come to these little groups. But in one go, they'll leave from Florida, cross the Gulf into Central America. And it's 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 impossible for me to fathom how they can survive such a journey yeah when they travel these long distances are they flapping their wings wings yeah. as fast as that like to that's uh, how they're not not quite as fast so so one of the, the reason they can well one because they're so small high metabolisms high heart rates like their whole sh- physiological structures enables them to beat their wings like that which enables them to hover which makes them the only bird species that can fly in place yeah and so flying across distances the, beat, the wings probably don't beat quite as fast, but still in the same ballpark. You're still talking, you know, tens of beats per Holy second. Cow. And then again, they do they make these journeys in one trip. So something that's three inches across takes off and flies, I don't know, eight, 900 miles across the ocean in one go with no rest, no stop. Do you know how fast obviously. they do fly? 
No, I don't have that number handy. In level flight, I feel like, now I might be misremembering here, I feel like it's somewhere around like 10 to 12 miles an hour okay. uh, in level flight. Uh, it could be a bit quicker than that, but I feel like that was what I remembered reading. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you find them. So they'll be in the America or in North America during the warmer months, and then they go winter in Central and South America, kind of how we all wish we could. <laughs> they, uh, but you'll find these guys obviously everywhere. They're very drawn. They're nectar eaters primarily, although they, they are slightly omnivorous. They will eat small insects, flies, gnats, small bugs, the mm-hmm. like. So for those at home, I'm sure everyone has... If you don't already, I highly recommend getting a bird feeder, a hummingbird feeder for these things. Make sure you clean it often. It's about a it's it. about a quarter cr- yeah, squirrel proof it for sure, and cat proof. Although cat proofing is a little more difficult. The number one predator of hummingbirds is the domestic house cat, and and it's funny re- in reading about how to make your environment, how to make your home environment more hospitable for hummingbirds. They talk about. One is to get separate f- beds of flowers, so don't plant all your flowers in one place because, as I said, with their territorialism, that way you can attract multiple birds and they can maybe cohabitate yeah. if you have a big enough yard and they can find different spaces to go. Uh-huh. They have a really great memory. They return every year. So the hummingbirds you see in your yard during the summer and then they leave in the winter are the same hummingbirds that come back the next year, which is really cool. Then they have an what's described as like an elephant-like memory. Like They don't just remember locations, but they remember the exact flower, huh. and they know which flowers they've already hit, and they know which ones had more nectar than the others or which ones seemed a bit safer than others. They like, like a lot of birds, they like open sight lines whenever they're feeding, but when they're nesting, they build little straw or leaf-based nests. Uh, female builds them. Usually it's in uh, tree, sometimes in shrubs. But those those will be like they'll have those built places where they're surrounded, so it's kind of difficult to find a nest because they are hiding them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike some birds, where they just build the nest in the top of the tree, and who cares if you see it? Like if you're an eagle, who cares? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's gonna true. find? Who's gonna come? Top of the food chain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, for those at home thinking about hummingbird feeders, thinking about wanting to attract these birds to your backyard, some tips are to one: make sure you clean your feeder regularly. Sugar water can actually um, ferment and become poisonous Mm. to the birds uh so it's important especially during the heat of the months the heat of the day so really if you have a hummingbird feeder you should be changing that like once every two days you should be changing out that water Mm. Uh, it's about a uh for every cup of water it's about a quarter cup of sugar and that's about all you need to get them if you put it up they'll come they're super in tune to what's going on around them in that way they'll come to your yard they're easy to attract and they're just super interesting to watch. They're gorgeous, not to mention, as I mentioned, there are over 350 species of hummingbirds. I highly encourage you all to look up some of these species, especially the Central and South American ones where, I mean, I, I never knew such hummingbirds existed. I mean, they're incredible looking. They're yeah. crazy looking. Mm-hmm. And ruby-throated are gorgeous, and that's what we think of as a hummingbird. But hummingbirds take a lot of different shapes and sizes and, well, relatively <laughs> sizes. Uh, yeah, please do go and look up some of these some of these crazy species, um, some of which are threatened, especially by climate change. But many, I think we're all happy to know, most hummingbird species seem to have found their ecological niche and yeah. have, have withstood the human interventions or the climate interventions that have affected so many other bird species. Mm-hmm. So uh, props to you, hummingbirds. Yeah, I mean, I think I have a new favorite bird now. I mean, these hummingbirds are intelligent. Yeah, they're fit you know they can flap their wings oh, super man. fast and fly across the gulf of mexico and 
yeah, they're just like in tune. They look great, and I think yeah, I think I've got a new favorite bird. A they make bird. they make such a great addition to any backyard, any golf course. Shout out the ruby throated. Yeah, shout out to the ruby throated. Anything else you wanted to know about them? Well, I'm just impressed? like watching videos too before we start recording. They're just fascinating to watch too because I don't know if you know like what a camera gimbal does, like keeps the camera in place where you move the uh, handle right. around. And that's exactly what I think of when I'm watching these hummingbirds because their head stays right here, right in place, and their bodies are moving, but their head's not moving at all. And it's like the same exact way a gimbal works for a camera. And it's just absolutely fascinating. Great bird. Great bird. Brilliant. <laughs> 10 out of 10 bird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Joey, uh, yeah, I think this was a good one. Again, shout out to Luke for the recommendation. Uh, this was a fun one to research, a fun one to discuss. I hope for everyone. Uh, again, we hope you see uh, lots of hummingbirds in your backyard. Please do encourage you to make your backyard hospitable for our little feathered friends Mm -hmm. and send us some cool pictures. I think they're extremely photogenic and there's a great opportunity there for for some unique shots. Uh, Send them over my way. I'm Mm -hmm. always here for it. Yeah, for sure. And one last bit of a little bittersweet news is uh, this is my last episode of Bird Watchers for you all. Uh, I got a new opportunity coming my way and um, will no longer be full time with the Lion Loft crew. But alas, Bird Watchers will, will prevail. Jeb will take it on and Luke will, I assume, be taking my spot. So stay tuned for more episodes. I might make some cameos here and there on the on the podcast to hear more about birds and learn more with you all so yeah yeah that was uh i I just found out about that too we're gonna be sad to see you go joey bird watchers i feel like some of the feedback i've gotten is we really love to hear you roast joey's bird calls i said (laughs) you know what i really love roasting joey's bird calls i'll phone in it's easy for me because i don't have to do them (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're trying to determine if i was going to do it today with the hummingbird not having a very uh, distinct call really it's just going to be me flapping my wings <laughs> into the into the mic but here we are i did the call and yeah i'm gonna miss uh doing these calls and you know i'll, I'll still swing by here and there no pun intended but uh yeah I'll, I'll send some calls your way we're gonna miss you joey for all those at home please do uh reach out to us uh we would love to and i know joey would enjoy um hearing some feedback on how we've done thus far feedback on since we're going to undergo a few changes what those changes might look like you can reach out to me at jeb at lionloft.com please make sure to hit our website subscribe to the up and down newsletter and then subscribe to the lionloft podcast anywhere you get your podcast anywhere they're found search lionloft podcast uh you'll find bird watchers and you'll find a lot of our other productions and again check out the hundred hole hike pod that is definitely worth a listen <laughs> and it's uh <laughs> it, it's fascinating it's really really cool for really good calls and uh i think maybe some of you all might get inspired to to look for mondays where you can get out and spend 12 hours on a golf course yeah so for all those at home listening thanks again joey we'll see you soon Thank <laughs> you.